0: Good morning. Welcome to Tom's World Language Café, the Now on Apple podcast. Uh, Welcome to all the listeners. Uh, We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We are post-Thanksgiving Saturday, and we are coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. And we have uh, today a special guest, and um, I'll be talking to him in a second and introducing him. I would like to remind the listeners to subscribe to this podcast uh, and that way, you get it every uh, time that it is uh, comes on, and you don't have to be concerned about missing a, a show. Uh, today, for our guest in in November, uh, we have uh, a special guest, Michael Edelstein, who uh, is a travel representative, uh, long standing uh, in the world of travel with student travel, especially, uh, and that's uh, his expertise and teacher travel, and he's going to be with us in a minute here, and Michael is, you'll never guess where we're we're doing the show from live, right, I'm in Fishers, Indiana, Michael is in Valencia, España, que viva España, eh, this is Día de España, and Michael is in Valencia, and we're going to talk to him right now, hola Miguel, ¿cómo andas, hombre? ¿Estás bien? Hola Tomás, estoy bien, estoy bien. Practicando tu español, eh? I see en la calle, las tiendas, y más, sí. Okay, now Miguel is getting really good at his Espanol, and uh, he, is, he really always is ready to talk languages French, Spanish, German, Italian, and uh, he's quite good, good at being uh, uh, a speaker for all ages, right? And now, uh, Michael, I want to ask you some questions about where you're at now. So where are you in Valencia? Are you downtown?
1: Uh, yeah, right downtown, right near the train station. Uh, got a uh-huh. good hotel. It's near all the action and easy
0: walking. So, um, and, of course, people walk in Spain, as you know. So how did you get to Valencia? You started where, in Portland?
1: Uh, started in uh, California, actually. Okay. and Okay. Flew to L.A. and got stuck in L.A. airport for nine hours with the wonderful B.A. Uh, choosing the safe path and getting something fixed and then canceling the flight and then being completely disorganized. So then, no. anyway, through London and arriving in Madrid and took the Cirquianas, uh over to Atocha station and the AVE out to Valencia. So an hour and 48 minutes with a quick stop in Cuenca, got to see Cuenca from the distance. Um,
0: yeah, that, and, that, uh, that's worth spending a couple of days, Cuenca, you know? Um, you're planning to go back. The temperature yeah. was predicted to be like uh,
1: 30s and in the 20s at night and snow and freezing rain. And That was um, that sounded great for other people, but I decided <laughs> let's get that. So Yes.
0: Um, uh, so now you're in Valencia for a few more days, and then you're going back to Madrid, correct? Back to Madrid, see. Okay. And it's my first trip
1: in almost two years. Um, I work at Student Travel, and of course, I'm a travel fanatic. So this is, um, last trip was in January 2020, and there was this talk about this COVID thing, and uh, of course, we all know what happened since then. So
0: So now you have been, uh, uh, I know you're a huge advocate of Apple products, you happen to be located again near an Apple store in Valencia, correct? Uh, yeah, it's it's just a quirk. I haven't been in it, and I
1: guess all my Apple stuff is working great. And I own too much of it, so um, and yeah. then I'm going to be staying right near the Apple
0: store in Madrid in the Puerto del Sol. Yes, and the yeah, that's if if not if uh, the listeners haven't ever been in the one in Madrid, it's quite a store. It's a beautiful store, and it's located. Very near near the uh, madroño and El Oso y el madroño, uh, the beautiful statue there of the bear and the honey tree, and it's very near there. Yeah, very near, yeah. You know, feet, uh, what, 30 feet from there, maybe 100 feet? Uh, it's very uh, close. 30 meters, I guess, yeah. probably at the
1: most, so.
0: Um, so, but at any rate, Miguel, uh, so you're over there, and why did you travel at this particular time of year?
1: uh it's a time that I can usually sneak away other people are shopping like crazy and I'd rather be in Spain or uh, my last Thanksgiving trip was in Singapore in 2019 so um I just try to do something that won't take too long because I don't have a real break at this you, time. but you, I really need to get back into world right. travel so I can talk about the testing the, the
0: safety how people are behaving in other countries um so, so you, you're, you're really into the, uh, trying to, you want, obviously you're, in, you, you mentioned this to me a while ago, we had a little chat before we came on the air. Then, uh, Michael obviously wants to find out what the travel situation is in reality like, right? During the COVID the situation. Well, yeah. I
1: know a lot about it from talking yeah. to others and from us sending some groups abroad. Um, But But to do it personally is different, I think. And so uh, I have to say that I was a little nervous And not having traveled two years, even though I was really anxious and, like, thirsty for travel. But uh, the moment we landed and got to explore a bit of Spain, even just getting on the AVE, I was so thrilled to be back traveling.
0: Yes. So thrilled. Yes. And it's...
1: um, Practicando mi español,
0: because it's really out of practice. Vale. Muy bien, hombre. Muy bien. Se nota. Uh, now, so this, um, back to the travel during COVID here. So obviously, we, I'm sure we are much, much safer now that we've had the, the vaccine and, and most of us uh, have taken the, the two or three shots, whatever. Uh, so uh, looking down the road, <clears throat> what do you think student travel is going to be like Let's say this spring. What about this spring? There is some, I suppose, right? Is anybody going? Um, we out? have a lot of groups
1: booked, and we're planning on operating those trips. But we are uh, requiring from most countries that they get vaccinated because those countries require it. So, um, but surprisingly strong numbers have decided to make sure they're vaccinated or already were and um, are planning to travel unless you know things change again for the worse. Um, so I think we're going to see a lot of spring trips. We had trips. Some um, I had a group uh, that went to France last summer and at the end of the post for evaluation with the amazing teacher, Brandy Watney in Oregon, I said, well, anything I haven't caught on asking you about all these questions about the trip. And she said, um, well, it's surprisingly normal. She had been with us before and she said it was surprisingly normal. And then she hesitated. She said, but there are only three people ahead of us at uh, the Mona Lisa. So um, it's, it is a bit like that where the lines are shorter and the crowds are less, but um, yes. And and I'm not hearing a lot of American voices here on my trip, but I'm hearing some, but I think, um, you know, a lot more Europeans are traveling within Europe, maybe than before, but no, I think we'll have spring and summer trips. I think there'll be a lot of care and uh, uh, you know, If uh, this latest variant worry comes and goes, it should be fine. If it
0: doesn't, then uh, vamos a ver. So, um, this um, travels uh, with you, that's your life, right? It must have been very difficult, right? These two years. Because I know Uh, that's been your whole life. I mean, um, you love travel, and in fact, how many years have you been working in student travel? Quite a few, right? Uh, this is, I believe, my 27th. I was um, going to
1: say, it's been a while. Taught for 12 years, left for what I thought was a year, and
0: then uh, more than a quarter century later, I'm still doing it. So um, what? why do you do it? I mean, what is what is it that makes you want to continue and work with in, in student travel?
1: The most personal part of it is it's because I didn't travel. There was a trip offered when I was in high school. I didn't go. There were semesters abroad when I was in college. There were people telling me I should go abroad. Um, somebody I dated really wanted us to go abroad and travel. Um, and I said, well, I have to work for the summer to earn money. And then I went on my first trip right after I graduated college, and I, I just like, pounded my forehead and thought, if only I had gone earlier, I would have done so many different things with so much more energy invested. I mean, I studied six years of French. I can't speak French. I can say a few words and a few sentences because I didn't really think I'd use it. I mean, I got B plus, B minus, B, you know, and... In theory, that should have worked. But the moment I got my first trip under my belt, I was speaking, in that case, it was Kenya, some Swahili, and I just thought, you know, I'm about to be teaching. I'm going to take students' places. And when I did, you know, it changed them so much. Um, In the classroom and beyond, that. some of their aspirations were completely different. And I thought, you know, I don't really want people to not have that opportunity to see the world. You, You asked me, I... A, a quote you know that might be interesting about travel. And, um what was one of them was that saint augustine the world is a book and if you don't travel you've only read one page so it's there's so much grandeur out there there's so much that entices the brain to think more um you know my father once said the more yeah, i know it's a famous quote the more you know the more you realize how little you know and that, that's totally correct that.
0: yes yeah and your father had, correct me if i'm wrong this was a He's a college professor, correct?
1: My father was a college professor, but he became one in the weirdest of ways, and it was because of travel. Not the good kind. He uh, volunteered for the Army in this, for the Second World War, and he would have been invading Japan, but the war ended just in time. Um, so he came home and he worked in a factory on a lathe for 12 years, and then he got his master's and his Ph.D. at Stanford University, and uh, became a college professor. Not too many people, I think, take that path. But I do think that trip uh, to the Philippines and New Guinea um, to prepare for war was an eye-opening first part. And then he did um, tell me his favorite place in travel was the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona. He went there uh,
0: on the GI Bill. He had a chance to travel for a little while post-war. Yes, that, that has to be one of the great places in the world, doesn't it? You know, to, it to, does. To
1: Barcelona's that. not bad, It is as it, earth no. location? But, um, well,
0: and you've got Gaudi, right? Not, not totally Gaudi everywhere, right? I mean, which makes it so exciting in Barcelona. Yeah. Um, yeah, and not just him. I
1: mean, I think the culture there is particularly great. Valencia is like a cross between um, Madrid and Barcelona. I feel like. came here thinking, ah, oh, Barcelona, it feels like Barcelona, but no Gaudi. And then uh, Madrid—it feels like Madrid, you know. But the ocean's nearby, and um, but uh, it is more of a city than I expected. I know that's not your question, but yeah. So my college, my father is a college professor, and um, I wish I'd traveled earlier. But I saw students change, and I decided that if I could work to get more kids out there, they would have the wider vision that I didn't gain when I.
0: how many student groups have you arranged trips for abroad how many would you guess
1: that is such a hard question to answer I was pondering that um, leading up to this interview and I would say it's somewhere between a thousand and two thousand um
0: that 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 would be like a thousand teachers right more or less correct
1: um I don't know how many teachers but um yeah, probably when you count each, well, each group would have a teacher and then a couple co-leaders, so probably about a thousand teachers, yeah.
0: So does, um, um, through all this travel with students, etc., what has impressed you most about Travel as far as it affects students, their reaction to all this. I know you've got so many times you go and accompany the students for a while on the trips or, or, or see the people when they leave. What's the biggest takeaway you get from that? What's, how does that affect the, the students, uh, their, their opinion of travel, etc., before and after?
1: Oh, students have the most amazing things to say, and to see them enjoy it and ask questions about it, I think, is quite a motivator for me. But I think, you know, the biggest impact travel has is, in a way, after the trip, and that's the part I don't get to see because they're not my students. Um, And I remember my first trip, which was to Kenya and East Africa. I came home, and I just started looking around the United States going, wow, look at this place. Oh, wow, this place is incredible. Oh, wow, this could be a little better oh, wow, that's incredible. Uh, this could be a little better, too. And so I think you, you come to your own country with new eyes. I call it the bonus trip you get when you come back to the United States with new eyes. Like, why don't we have a fast train like the AVE that I was on? I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me that we don't have that. City center to city center. So, an hour and 48 minutes. If you went to the airport, you wait an hour and 48 minutes, probably before the flight. <laughs> yes, so,
0: and uh, so... The culture aspect is huge, right? Traveling the culture too, and
1: yeah, the culture, the languages. I mean, so there's there's so much to gain and so many new ideas to be had. Um, why, why, for instance, do they have this amazing chocolate latte in Spain and we don't have any access to it in the United States?
0: Um, yes, it makes you wonder, right? Some of the the foods, right? Um, it, yes, so many things. Yeah. Um, And of course, that's great,
1: because if it was all homogenized worldwide, I mean, in a way, I don't really want it to come to the United States, because I feel like having it in Spain, it has a special taste to it. It does. um, It does, doesn't it? That's that's part of the magic. But um, back to the students. So one of my favorite moments in doing this was when I ran into a student from, well, we had a group of teachers. It was a teacher trip to Florence and uh, we were doing the cooking school that we always do with students with them so they could sample that experience. And there was a guy there who was one of the graduate students in cooking at this professional cooking school in Florence, Italy, and he had an American accent. So, of course, I said, well, wow, well, you know, what part of the U.S. are you from? And he said, Oregon. And then he said, well, where in Oregon? I know Oregon pretty well. And he said, Eugene. Um, and then I uh, was like, wait a second. I work with school in Eugene. What school do you go to? And he said, Marist High School. And I'm like, well, you guys came here on this a trip with us to this cooking school. You must have come on that trip. And he said, no. The kids who went came back and they talked about it so much. And he'd already always had an interest in culinary arts. So he found the school through them. So the ripple effect reached a student who didn't go.
0: He was doing a full cooking program. His name so is Aaron, and he now runs a cooking uh, uh, food uh, business in Amsterdam. Yes. And, you know, you don't know about that, do you? I mean, it just, it has such a great effect, as you said. It's. Uh, and
1: it was the students coming back and talking about it so much, yes, you know? Yes. And then they had they had some of the information for him to track it down. And so you just wonder about all those ripples that you, you will never know yeah. as a teacher. You've now, been
0: teaching a long time. Now, can you... life-lasting. Can you... T- uh, tell the listeners a little bit about why when they travel with you and the world strides, it's a little bit more involved and more real, right? Because uh, you have a lot of things in the street, correct? And a lot of activities and um, not in a normal classroom.
1: Much like your programs, but I think it's, you know, and it it, it reminds me of the workshops that the teacher conferences I go to or the workshops that you've done that I've dropped in on. You know, teachers want to teach in a way that's more impactful more lasting more brings in greater uh mental connections but also long-term connections for students and really that's what the goal of world strides is so to have a more experiential trip not a homestay but the kind of trip that inspires one in so many different ways so it could be every trip has interactive it could be a cooking school a dance activity an art activity several of them also role plays and uh, interactive, um, I don't want to call them lessons, because that gives the wrong image for students, but really they are lessons. They're, they're ways of getting students to think about things. And one of them, for instance, we have people take roles of Germans, American invaders, and uh, French uh, for the Second World War, and they basically do role plays of those people, and they become those people for a brief time. We give them background information, so they do it with that information, so then they do this activity. There might
0: be some laughing. It might get serious. Um, but, but it's but impactful, correct? It's impactful it because... It stays with you. Yes. It stays
1: with you and gives you context for the things you see. Yeah, that because of is the really place critical. and the
0: people that they're role-playing, etc. it becomes profound, right, in and, and, and their life. And uh, that's one of the neat things about, uh, I think, of your, your programs for teachers. And one of the reasons, of course, that... Uh, I got excited when we started working with our programs years back, and that is that we did uh, real things. You know, we were out in the streets, and we did role plays, and visited the yeah, store. Exactly. You know, but it's it's so important when you travel, and it makes it so much uh, more fun when you realize that these historical characters or literary heroes, and writers, and uh, singers and dancers and whatever and music—all of these things. These were real people that did this, right? And uh, and they they had places where they did this and uh, and live, where they lived, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it becomes very Im- impactful, right, on everybody. So it's- well, and, and
1: when I when I got my master's, it was in partly in educational psychology and so. One of the things they talk about for long-term memory is having depth of processing. And I think when you have those kinds of things, those kind of activities, whether they're small activities on a bus, whether they're question sessions that are interactive, um, that are beyond just factual questions, then that sutures itself into your brain in a different way. And then eating the cultural foods, you eat the culture, and being in the heart of places that are interesting, so you're not... Um, you know, I think one of the great crimes is to have a lecture on a bus when you're going to some of the best things in the world, and it's boring. To make some of the best things in the world boring, you should almost take you away in handcuffs, you know? Um,
0: yeah, that, so, but,
1: but, but you know, nobody listens well. Get a group of teachers and take them to a teacher conference and have them sit in a lecture. Oh, my gosh, they,
0: they will fidget worse than students. Yes, worse yes. Worse than
1: kindergartners.
0: Yeah. <laughs> They do. You are right, and uh, they're totally correct with that. Um, What was the funniest experience you ever had while traveling with students and teachers? One thing that really stood out as being funny. I was trying to
1: think of that, and it was really
0: a tough one for me. And I think, um, hmm. Um, I remember one in Mexico when you came to our program. uh, We just started. And it was early in the program, our summer program for teachers. And at the time, we only had our Guadalajara program, and later we had one. We have one now in Guadalajara. We also have one in Madrid, in Havana, Cuba. But I remember Miguel came down to see the program a little bit, and he stayed a few days. And he came to the park the day of the Baile Mexicano, the Mexican dance class. Yeah, he let me do the machete.
1: Dance,
0: and well, I nearly chopped off limbs. Yeah, um, and Miguel was it, doing the survive. baile de los de, de, de los machetes. I think it was called, uh, and he did the uh, the dance and did very well actually. And uh, but that was quite a memorable moment. We thought it was a, it wasn't funny, but it was just kind of a cute deal, right? I mean, it was unique. And uh, and the teachers, I the teachers. I go ahead. Sorry. The teachers on the program. Uh, Again, that's how the, the Michael's programs are for the high school kids, too, is we do a lot of uh, live stuff, and they, ha- they have dance classes there in Mexico. And uh, as they do in our Cuba program in, uh, in La Habana, and they have salsa lessons, and, uh, and they d- learn in Mexico some of the typical Mexican dances as well. And, uh, but they actually dance and get to participate. And that makes a, another thing, right? When Miguel, we were talking about participation, correct? That they don't just go around your kids when they're on a trip. They just don't go around and listen to a guide, correct? You know, talk all the time. Am I right with that? Yes.
1: Um, but, you know, I just suddenly popped into my head my maybe my funniest moment. I was thinking it might be Guapo, the adopted uh, toucan at the Eco Lodge in Peru. But actually... Um, traveled a group of students from Rome to Barcelona uh, from Essex Junction in Michigan and uh, got along with them quite well. And then one day I ran off to do something and I left my phone on the bus. And when I came back, well, about a month later, I discovered they took all these uh, selfies with uh, ridiculous faces and left them on my phone camera uh, which I felt honored by in a way because it meant we got along uh, and they were just terrific photos to have long-term. So one day I'll show you those.
0: Yes, that's good. That, and, uh, but there, a lot, a lot, it's, it's kind of like teaching, you know, when you have to, somebody says what were your funniest moments, right? And, uh, you, you have to think twice or three times about that because there's so many, right, Miguel, that, you know, you think, well... There's
1: so many, and then pull them out, and then so many of them have a serious uh, air to them, too, you know, because you gain yes. something from the, from the funny part, so...
0: Now, what advice would you offer teachers and students during this time of COVID and preparing to travel? Because I'm sure there's a lot of teachers out there who really want to travel with their students... And how, what advice would you give them? And I'm, I'm, I'll am throw this out too, advice you would give to teachers who might be traveling this summer in our program, right? The Aventura Cultural. Uh, what advice would you give them as to how to get through this, this time of COVID and still travel, right?
1: Well, yeah. If you look at the rates of COVID in the United States and you look at the rates in most other countries, um it's either the same or less in most of those cases. So then it's back to the same approaches of care, Uh, whether it's being vaccinated or wearing a mask or just not having certain kinds of contact with people. You'd like to have more open contact, and I think that will come back. Um, And it's not the first pandemic. I mean, you'd asked about that. You know, I've been through now Zika and SARS and um, the swine flu and I I had Ebola. I had parents like, cancelling trips because of Ebola, or calling in and crying, or or people who wouldn't send their kids because of Zika because they were sure that their daughter would become infertile. Uh, But this is by far the most serious one. So I think, you know, it's, it's the same things that you would practice at home, and in a way, you are benefited still by travel. But it may be that some travel has to hold off at least to certain areas until this lets up a bit more uh, we're it. I mean I feel like things are a lot safer and that the short term uh it's more becoming more of short term impact at least and not long term thanks to vaccination and some better medical awareness of how COVID works and what works
0: against it. Um so as far as the student teacher travel goes, the student and teachers when they travel. Why is that so important to the world language community? In other words, uh, the impact that it has uh, in the language community and also the, the community at home, the parents in that community. Why is it important to, that teachers take their students and travel? Well,
1: um, I thought of one more thing about the COVID situation, which is that we ran... Um, Something like uh, 60,000 students traveled with us in the last year despite COVID. Most of it was domestic. But in the international programs, nobody got COVID abroad. So, um, you know, there was a lot of care that went into that. And then because people went, and that's back to the world language question... Um, I think that it's really hard for American students because, you know, there's that old joke. What's a person who speaks three languages, trilingual, two languages, bilingual, one language, American. And we are a one language typical country. And yet the tour directors in Europe for world strides typically speak two, three, four, five, six. I would say it's very rare that somebody's only bilingual in that group. Um, and then, And you know this, Tom, the research says that if you become fluent in a second language, you can learn a third language, even an unrelated language, more quickly. And then a fourth and a fifth. And I've had colleagues who spoke about 10 different languages fluently, which just stuns me. So, but how do you get motivated to speak it? I think that, you know, one thing that some teachers do is they wait. They say, like, okay, you can travel abroad, but you have to be Spanish four. And I'm like, no, take Spanish one, because, you know, it has more impact, You It's preach yes. to the converted, those, that, that 10% of kids who will learn the language because they know it's important because you told them so. But a lot of kids are like I once, or some of the students I had, where once they see that culture out there, God, of course, you want to be able to speak with those people. Yes. And communicate and listen and hear and ask questions and eavesdrop. I mean, that's the one thing. I can travel in Spanish, but I cannot eavesdrop in Spanish yet. And I think, you know, a lot of what you pick up in a culture is what you can hear, and listen to, and so on. And, and we're asking kids to know what they want to know about the world before they know what they know about the world. And um, so that introduction, it's, um, well, it's it, a spark.
0: Yeah, every trip, well, they say the, the journey starts with a simple step, right? And that's kind of how travel is, correct? Once you do yeah. it, you will keep probably doing it the rest of your life. <clears throat> because it's rather addictive, you know? and uh, Yeah, but it's a little like
1: investing, right? They say if you invest early, you get much bigger gains than if you invest late. And I was a late investor in travel, and I'm I'm catching up. I'm not unhappy. Right. But that early investment, you know, there's that old saying, if you start in your 20s and you put all amount away and you let it grow, right. You, you, somebody who starts at 35 can never catch you.
0: Right. So it's Which the is, same in a way. It is. Very similar. Now, what are the three favorite places you have visited during your travel career? What would you say?
1: Well, I had a lot of travel before my travel career. So, you know, Nepal would always be one of the tops on the list. But um, where I sit in Spain, you know, once I got to Spain, I really wanted to come back. I actually never wanted to come to Spain because I grew up in the time of Franco, this dictator and. What I knew about Spain wasn't very complimentary, but um, by the time I was traveling to Spain, I didn't realize that it would be just such a ridiculously incredible place with a deep history that fascinated me. Um, I'll add to that Mexico City, because I didn't go there at first, and now I've gone back it probably six or seven times. It's a beautiful, artistic, inspiring city. I thought it was going to be big, traffic and and polluted, and it's a little of that, but much less than everybody was. I don't know why they missed on that because the wide avenues, the incredible art and in streets, the you know, it's the Paris of Mexico, and all of Mexico actually is quite brilliant and amazing, and it it has the wrong um, reputation in a way in the United States, and I think that is a sad thing. Um, but but Mexico would be on that list as well, um, and then beyond that, I China a country that's changed itself so much. I first went there in uh, 1984 and since then, uh, Oh no, sorry. 83. And since then it's become, you know, a, a dynamo in the world. It was not back then. I have to say, it seemed like a very backward country in most ways. Um, so, but I could go on and on because, you know, really when people, uh, ask me what's my favorite place, they're all my favorite places, you know? Um, I can go back and sit in the town square in Vermont and I'd be just
0: totally thrilled to be another version of travel. And one of the things that happens traveling, you probably would agree with this, that I found was quite amazing, and any time is amazing when you travel, no matter how well you think you know a place or how many times you've been there in, in travel, there are always places that surprise you, Right. You know, you'll come back, and then there's new places. And there, there's always these the surprise of travel every day, sure. right? And that's another it's reason. It's in great so, places, yeah. I mean, it's like it's a great a, novel, a,
1: right? I read To Kill the Mockingbird ten times. T- t- every single time I found new things. Yes. In and, the same text. Exactly. And, and that's a simple novel. Yeah. Come to Spain, and that's a novel stacked yeah. on 20 million novels. Yes. Time, so. and, but,
0: <laughs> but you see all that, and you think, boy, this is... You know, and you never know what's going to happen. Every day is an adventure, and uh, and that's one of the great things about travel. You know, you haven't seen the place maybe for a while. You haven't been there. But uh, so uh, for all the listeners out there, we're trying to encourage you, obviously, to travel. And I think uh, now that we have the, the, the vaccine, that uh, we have to perhaps, uh, you know, be a more adventuresome now a little bit and, and think that we're going to be – Fairly, fairly safe. So, I think that that's probably what's happening now. Now, um, I left this question more toward the last part, not because it isn't extremely important, but uh, how's Karen doing?
1: Ah, well, Karen's great. She's an explorer, and she helped me find one of our favorite places now in Valencia. I don't know if you, Tom, have you been to Valencia? I can't remember.
0: Uh, I've been there, but not much. I think I've visited a very short time, yes, but not very long.
1: So, so we went to the Fowler Museum at Karen's uh, Lead, and um, it's an amazing museum. It's based on the the uh, festival they have in March where they create these incredible paper machés, and then they burn them. Oh,
0: well, that's, that's the... Fa- they, they that, s- yeah, that's called the Fayas. Fayas. the F- yes. Fayas. And then there's the Museo, right? The Museo de Fayas... Uh, yeah, they
1: call it the Fowler Museum or the Fire Museum, but um, what happens is where well, they burn all these paper machines. But the very best ones, they pardon from the giant bonfire. Yes. and uh, the best <laughs> ones are in the museum, and they are incredible. I think I probably took maybe a hundred photos of them yesterday.
0: Yes, and
1: um, and Karen another hundred, and they're very oh, they're,
0: they're very satirical, right? Many of them. You know, they're five very funny... satirical, and, and, and what artwork. I mean, it's amazing.
1: I mean, I can't even, I can barely describe some of them, are impossible. There's one that's uh, two posts and a paper mache rope across, and three men, old men who shouldn't be on a tightrope, balancing and bumping into each other all at once. <laughs> and how they get that all to stay up there, because yes. this is like a.
0: It's an engineering trick in a way, and um, so and yeah, so on and on. Does Karen help you then? She helps you somewhat do paperwork and things like that. Is that pretty much, or does she does she well, have a, lot a bigger follow up
1: communication for teachers? So that can be anything from typing up the emails students send. Uh, the students scribble down emails if they're interested in trips, or parents fill out. Uh, they attended a meeting and you know each of those is a human being who might go on a trip and change their life have their life enhanced by it and so she does a lot of the background work that helps that happen and she's very good at being methodical whereas i'm not i'm a probably more idea person than a methodical
0: person so so if anybody's listening and they want to get in contact with you how what's the best way to do that
1: uh, they would uh, call me eight hundred nine four six eight one four three, or email me Michael E at worldstrides or my favorite old email Michael at educational dot and um, and it's that easy. But you know, it's um. So so uh, I, I get basically I get paid to talk about travel, and I get paid to brag about my colleagues who do just the most amazing work from the education on the trips to the arrangements that happen and um, I was telling one of my colleagues recently that basically my work is bragging about your work and um,
0: and, and I really, and it's sincere bragging because they are amazing. I mean it's just what what gets put together is yeah. so unique. And we and we don't hear enough about these teachers who take the students on the trips and and the, the great efforts they make because it does take a lot of work, but they do it and they take time to do it in uh, uh, the results are incredible in those programs, those language programs. Yeah, they really are. And, and that, Students
1: studying different things, students yes. seeing themselves in different roles and they might have. Students imagining themselves speaking a foreign language, a world language, sorry,
0: that's no longer foreign yeah. to
1: them, if I'm going to use that foreign yeah. word. Um, and, it becomes familiar and it becomes attainable. Yes.
0: It, it, it does. And you people who uh, know me somewhat you know that I've taught a few years uh, I'm not a, a rookie by any means and uh, so one of the things I found out over the years and, I, and that's why we're, we're talking about it today kind of in a way uh, is that uh, world travel is the, probably the most important aspect I think of, 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 of having a great program in your schools uh, that uh, if you look at some of the great programs many of them uh, the teachers travel constantly with students. And uh, so I would advise everybody, especially the younger teachers, and even the, the veteran teachers, if you haven't traveled for a while, to get involved in the travel process. There's no greater experience in the world than to travel with students, and, uh, or teachers who, who go on programs. Uh, but the, 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 It has such a powerful benefit with students and in their life, and as Michael said, changing their life and uh, something that has nothing but good that comes out of it. So uh, it's well worth it. I just want to put a plug in, and for Michael, too, and all the great work he does, uh, it's very well worth it uh, to... Uh, to uh, and Michael, we appreciate you and the profession for all you've done and continue to do, uh, you know, helping kids travel and student and teachers. Uh, it's a huge, huge deal. And we don't pay enough attention to it, I don't think, uh, in, in in world language education, in the circles of world language education. And we don't make it important enough. That's my opinion after all these years. Uh, but it should have much more importance. And uh, um, I always said, years ago I said this, I said it would be so wonderful if the government could uh, uh, have some way of uh, creating uh, a year abroad study during the high school years that students got to travel for a year. And uh, that would be, uh, even maybe make it compulsory, so they, they had to travel for a year and uh, live in another culture, or even six months, uh, three months, or, or a summer, anything. But there, there would be such a wonderful experience for the, our students uh, in this day and age. And it never did happen yet. Maybe it will someday. Um I
1: think sometimes the good thing about working with a short travel program and yours, for instance, the teachers or the ones we do with students is that it's short, but there are many people who wouldn't necessarily do it if it was longer or more involved. When I was in high school, you could never have gotten me to go do a homestay. But once I went on my first trip, I did homestays. You didn't have to get me to do them. I found them and went on them. Well, and
0: and we certainly, probably the government could... uh, Throw in some money and, and perhaps uh, put a week. They could say you get a week study in your high school years, uh, a week, or, or your middle school, high school years, you get a week of, of study, you know, funded somewhat by government funds. And we could take a little bit less money in our bombs, maybe, and everything, and put more into education, right? But it would have such a, you know, the, the Defense Department and all the money we spend on that, that perhaps we could put a little more in education. Uh, which it really needs to be done, uh, and uh, hopefully that that's going to happen. Um, well, think about the other things, like the vaccine that you mentioned
1: before. You know, that was a development that was had worldwide input. Um, yes. Engineering ideas passed between countries, science, art, arts, um, entertainment. I mean, you know, there are several movies. like Even the movie True Lies, I didn't realize, was originally a French movie. Hmm. Uh, that got uh, adapted into the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and other things like that. So, you know, ideas transfer between countries and um, we all gain from that economically, individually, in many layers of ways, and so... in one of the other ways... Peace obviously. on Earth, which yeah. which means you don't need all those other other
0: investments you were yeah. talking about as much. And one of the other... Because when you know other people, you don't mind yeah. the differences, so start... And, and we, we've talked about this, about our, our program in, in Havana, Cuba, uh, for teachers, and uh, one of the things we found out was... Uh, that a lot of the stereotypes for these countries is totally incorrect. And I'm sure Michael can mm-hmm. follow with some stuff he's observed there, things he's observed while traveling. But we we tend to get these stereotypes of how people live that aren't correct. And then when you actually travel, you can experience that and you can see uh, how they do live. And, and it's many times a lot different than what you think it is. So I know in Cuba, we, we, we always talk about gracious the people are and they, these are the common people people in the street the people uh living who have very little money but they're the most gracious people in the world and we never hear about that and we get we're gonna get, we get strung out on government stuff all the time and then maybe we should focus more on the people you know the real people who uh, uh make the countries what they are right in uh, in every country probably so uh something to think about for the future right Miguel? what do you think No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there are things big and little.
1: One of the student groups we joined, one of the um, students was somebody who worked at a local bakery and wanted to end up going into the food and baking business long-term. And everything she saw, we would have her, we decided to sit down with her every time we could after a meal and have her give us her post-meal evaluation of the meal. And um, she was constantly... Watching certain things happen uh, at the bakeries or the items that we visited, so yes, yes, and yes, that's my answer. <laughs> well,
0: we got to do. I think though, when the the COVID thing is over and etc., I think that we really maybe as a group, as, or your your teaching or your your company and and teachers out there who have great input into a lot of things. I think uh, in world languages we. We need to really focus on this, So about getting people to actually go, as you said, to that country in high school. And, you know, you, you missed it. You said you, you didn't do that. And how much you, you felt bad about that, that you did not get to go, you know, or didn't realize the importance of it maybe at that time.
1: Well, but, there was an irony, too, because I was really into high school running, cross-country Right, track, right. And I, I was like, I can't can't do, go do any time abroad because I'll miss some of my sport.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you go to Europe, you know, yes. in the land where they have Yes. Um, so, uh, well, Miguel, it is time to go, and uh, uh, we appreciate you being on the show, and you've been wonderful as per usual, right? And, uh, okay, thank you very much, Miguel, As I said before, we lost our connection to Valencia right in the end, unfortunately. And uh, Miguel sent a text wishing everybody the best. And uh, so we were fortunate that we were able to keep the connection all this time from Valencia. And I would like to thank the listeners for coming to the show and listening. And uh, we uh, expect to have a a really uh, interesting uh, session, the radio show podcast in December. Uh, with, I believe it's going to be a French teacher. So uh, we will get more uh, info on that as we go along. So we will catch you in December. Thank you again for being with us. Happy holidays, happy Thanksgiving, and uh, almost to Christmas, right? And we get a little a break. So, okay, hang in there, everybody. Talk to you, bye.